0: Welcome to Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. This is James Blair. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Matthew Harris, who's going to tell us about one man's property journey.
1: So we've got Matt with us today for a special two-part series. The first part is Matt talking about how he got started in his property journey. The second part is talking about property development. Matt, We've been trying to get you back on, unsurprisingly, two episodes on yourself, and here you are. Look, I'm pretty happy
2: to be here uh, Sunday morning. Uh, you know, usually I wouldn't get out of bed on a Sunday morning for anything, <laughs> really, but this is about me, so yeah. I rushed straight in and no one was here.
1: Yep. <laughs> and for those watching on Spotify, you'll now notice you get to see our very pretty faces there as well, not just on YouTube, so there you go. Now, today's episode, as I said... There's different ways we can learn. So one is about talking about kind of um, theories and facts and stats. The other one is learning from other people's uh, kind of what they've gone through so we can take it and apply it to an extent to our own situation, although this is not personalized financial advice. Definitely is. Um, So Matt, (laughs) I'm really keen. You've got a really interesting story um, uh, to kind of talk us through today. So tell us, let's start, where did you grow up?
2: Yeah, I mean, good question, and thanks to you both for having me on again. Uh, it's always good to be on your podcast. We have no choice. Uh, yeah, you didn't. Uh, so I grew up in Hawke's Bay, so probably a lot of people look at me and uh, the way I conduct myself and probably think, oh, yep, typical Aucklander. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you didn't have to confirm that shout so quickly. Out, shout out
0: to everyone in Christchurch. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: uh, but that's not the case. I am from rural Hawke's Bay. Uh, I grew up kind of on the edge of... Uh, farming life and city life, although the city was Napier, yeah. uh, not Auckland, and I had a pretty uh, probably what I'd call typical rural upbringing, I used to go fishing, I used to do a little bit of duck shooting, yeah. I used to um, like to go camping, had to chop firewood as my chores, mm. Mm. built uh, huts, went ealing. ealing. Ealing? Yeah, I used to love ealing. James, you've for been
1: yeah. No, it's, it's against who I am.
2: <laughs> uh, and so so I, I sort of had that quite rural uh, upbringing. Most of my family were farmers or in that industry. And I even went to boarding school uh, for a while with all the other farmers' children. Are you okay? Uh, look, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had a pretty wholesome uh, upbringing and uh, the. People uh, around me weren't property investors. They weren't necessarily investors of any sort. Although yep. I'm sure my grandparents had, you know, managed funds and things like that. But but there was no talk of business. There was no real talk
0: of uh, property or entrepreneurship in any way at all. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. So then, what was the sort of uh, the thing that got you started into property? What made you sort of think? Yeah, click. That's the that's the vehicle that I'm going to invest in. That's the one for me.
2: Yeah. So it's quite a long story, which I'm going to condense uh, into a, a, a long but shorter version. So I, I uh, when I finished high school, I didn't know what I, I wanted to do really, uh, like a lot of people. So I took a year off. I went and worked at a uh, plastic injection moulding factory. Oh yeah. Napier Tool and Dye. Oh yeah. Quite an interesting place actually. Yeah. they Used to make all the uh, components uh, for electric fencing. Yeah. So the Mark II Claw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you didn't grow up on a farm or been anywhere near it, you won't know, but this little claw that you run the wire yeah. through. They did all the true test boxes. I mean, yeah. um, they did some other stuff, pedals and helmets, and uh, it was pretty uh, engineering focused. Mm. So they built the die, and then I worked in the bit where they pump plastic into it to yeah, make yeah. these things. And, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't like, lots of people were going to get you, and they hate it and they're like, <laughs> yeah. don't like work. Like, yeah. I always like to work hard and I, I'm pretty ordered in the way I do things. And I was nailing it there. I was doing really, really well. And um, the year came up and I, I knew I had to leave because I knew it wasn't mm. the life for me. Yep. But I actually really, really simple enjoyed life, it. Though. Yeah, it was really simple. <laughs> we used to start 6am in the morning and we worked till 6am at night, one week. Then we did two weeks, six till four thirty. Yeah. One week, six till six.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you stop
2: for 15 minutes in the morning, half an hour at lunchtime, 15 minutes in the afternoon. That was yeah. it.
1: It's funny how it leaves that impression on you. Yeah. Just rattle off the numbers. Oh, yeah. it's
2: great. Uh and uh everyone, I remember everyone used to go outside for that 15 minutes, and they'd be like, most people just smoked. Yeah. yeah. And I'd just sit there and kind of talk in the sun yeah. and go back in. But um, so then I went to university, speeding up, I did a commerce degree. Uh And then I I left uh, university and I had to decide what to do. So I started interviewing for jobs. And at that stage, I uh, had met a girl uh, back in Hawke's Bay. So I went back to Hawke's Bay for love. (sighs) Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> R- Rachel. Yeah. R- Rachel. Uh, so, so I went back there and I started uh, interviewing for jobs and uh, one of those jobs that I interviewed was for inlay Revenue. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I don't really want to work at Inland Revenue. <laughs> I understand why. <laughs> yeah, most people do. And the, the stigma of inlay Revenue even back then was quite high and uh, I just... Thought it would be a horrible place. But anyway, I interviewed, well, first I had to do psychometric testing. Do you, some oh, people might remember. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. It was all the rage. Yeah. Still uh, is at the banks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking, what the hell is this? Yeah. And uh, so I did that and, and obviously I passed that. And then I got to the point where they wanted me to come in for an interview. Yeah. And so I walk in uh, for this interview and uh, sitting there at the table is a lady, Wendy, who kids I used to babysit. Uh, which really surprised me because when I babysitted her kids, I had no idea what Mm. she did and probably didn't even care. Uh, So anyway, the interview went well and I got the job. So either Wendy got me the job or I got the job on my own merit, but uh, either way, I got the job at Only Revenue and I wasn't even sure then that I wanted it.
0: Yeah.
2: I get in there uh, and uh, from the beginning, I found it intensely interesting. Uh, I was hired as an investigator, so my job was to... uh, maximize the net revenue collected over time by the commission of Inland Revenue. In short, audit people, review files, make sure the right amount of tax has been paid, or the refunds that get dished out uh, were correct. And kind of the analogy I always use really early on is like, it's like a game of sport, and uh, if there's no rules, then you can't really play a game of sport. But the Inlay revenue had a whole heap of rules. You had the Tax Administration Act, and you had the Income Tax Act, which kind of govern the, the rules of engagement. Yeah. And then the taxpayers and the government are the two sides that are playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So, and and also like it was quite. It wasn't as nerdy as you think it was in those days. There was no lot of te- wasn't a lot of tech. Mm. Nowadays they use a lot of data, but we literally used to get GST returns run down the list of invoices, pick out ones to check, do the checks, and from that you kind of flowed out of it. Mm, and you yeah. do some background checks on the taxpayer and you might look at like assets they owned and companies they were shareholders in, and you just kind of piece it all together. I really liked it. So mm. I excelled at this job that I didn't really want. And I had some really good mentors there and, and I was doing really, really well. And so I started in April 2006. Uh, the property market was in full upswing. Uh, we're heading towards the GSC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's on the
1: way up all right. <laughs> we're running into the sun. Yes. Yeah, yeah, honestly, and I remember it
2: because I was a, a, a simple country boy at that stage and this was my first real job and I hadn't been exposed to a great amounts of wealth, uh, although probably some of the, the people in my family had, some money because the farms mm, were worth money. Appreciates but, over time, yeah. Yeah, but you don't really see it. No. You know, they weren't to you it's just cars.
0: a block of land somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly.
2: Yeah, And you, you know a lot about yeah. this actually. Uh, but I suddenly was exposed to wealth uh, and huge wealth. People were making 50% gains on properties mm. in two years' time. So we're running into the sun. It's a really great analogy. Credit is easy. <laughs> yeah. Life is good. And I'm learning the ropes. I'm enjoying myself. 2008. GFC comes on and credit dries up like that. Yeah, music stops, music stops mm. and it stops so suddenly that even I'm surprised. Yeah, uh, and so so it's a great time to be in inland revenue because every man and his dog scrambling, they're claiming refunds on beach houses, they're trying to keep their businesses going, yeah. uh, and all this happens and there's uh, all sorts of frauds, there's Ponzi schemes, and there's just people that are operating and trying to get their way out. Yeah, mm. and we're seeing uh, the collapse of things like Hanover Finance Ooh, and... Canterbury. Uh, yep, yeah, yeah. Canterbury Finance or South Canterbury Finance, yeah. Hubbard. Um, lots and lots of big names in New Zealand. Mm. who and, and people like, is uh, it Jenny Shipley? Yeah. Who put her name on yeah. uh, various products and was on the direct, board of directors. Did, of A whole lot of finance companies. Yeah, yep. yeah. who was getting prosecuted. So, yeah. so it was an interesting time. Uh, fast forward, we come out, we're into 2011. By this stage, I have had a good five years of of work experience. I've seen uh, these people go boom and bust a couple of times, and I have figured out by de- default what wealth creation looks like. Mm. No one has ever told me what wealth creation yeah. looks like. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's unusual. Yeah. I don't think anyone's parents sit them down and go, this is how this we is make how, money. Yeah, yeah, can, yeah.
1: We, can we just take a very small side step? Um, In terms of education in your household around money, you seem to allude to it, but a lot of the stuff we do is around education is power and then you can kind of go on your own journey. In your household when you were growing up, what was the discussions like around money?
2: Yeah, so there were no discussions. The only discussions I remember were about not having enough money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Discussions around buying like shoes for Mm. sports events. My brother and I are really good runners at school. We used to do lots of events. I remember needing um, spiked... Running shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. my mum was a single mum. Mm. And uh, she, I remember she went out of her way so that we could have those shoes. Mm. Uh, and I, I have no idea how she paid for them. <laughs> yeah. Probably she'd hire purchase or something yeah. like that. But, yeah. but I just remember those being the only discussions. There was no planning. There was no, yeah. you should save money,
1: uh, you should invest. So when you did educate yourself about money, yep. was that? through what you were just talking about and looking yep. around and seeing what everybody was doing and yep. you kind of put the pieces together did Pretty you? Pretty much. And it wasn't, I didn't put them together quickly. Mm. It took
2: a long time for me to realise what was actually happening was wealth creation. Yeah. Because I used to study transactions, property transactions especially. We used to study those and we'd pull the title and you'd look, that they bought that five years ago, 400,000. Yeah. I remember seeing some properties in Waikiki back in those uh, days that someone had bought for like four hundred thousand, and then after two thousand eleven, they're worth one point five million. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> thinking the massive amount of wealth gain yeah. that was going on. I was thinking, how do I do this? And
0: also, you'll be looking at it from the tax perspective as well, and going, "There's no tax on this." Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Hang on a second. This is tax. And for revenue. perspective, for people watching, back then we
2: uh, had a full intention-based regime. So. There was no bright line. Yeah. There was virtually you could buy and sell a property within mm. one year and there was no tax on yeah. it. Unless you had a pattern. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there was no uh ID numbers for property transactions. Really? Honestly, Wild West. Wild West. ID are... numbers for property <laughs> transactions
1: didn't come until 2016. Well, if you think about international buyers, right? Yes. That's where a lot of that stuff came in. Yeah. And yep. And the whole there was a narrative at one point that the housing market was being completely fueled by overseas buyers, yeah. um, and then once they started getting the IRD data, it turned. They realised it out. Yeah. wasn't. Yeah, to com- be to be biased, biased,
0: yeah. I, I, could, I the, um, the shadiest transaction I ever did at Westpac was a, a Tyler and his wife who had four houses in Remuera, Um and we asked for the AML documentation, and it all arrived like, a, you know, like where did the money come from? Official Chinese government stamps and mm-hmm. stuff. He earned like seventy grand a year, and his wife earned thirty thousand. He's got a property portfolio of about six million dollars, and I'm like at the bank. I'm like, "Is this legit?" And they're like, "Well, it says what we need it to say." And I'm like, "Okay, I guess mm. we're yep. doing this then." Like, yep. yeah. and that's look, and that's the way it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, so RLWT came in to stop that mm, offshore because mm, yeah. you used to be able to be offshore. Yeah, buy a property, sell it, yeah. no ID number, no AML. No money tax. Money out. Now they withhold tax, ten percent of the sale. Yeah. Anyway, I saw the stuffs going on. It's 2011, and this is how slow I was to figure this whole thing out. I started in 2006. Finally, in 2011, I buy my first house. And I remember going out looking, I did that age old thing where people go and look at a house and like, no, 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 yeah. if you look at five more houses, they come back to the original. Yeah, yeah, always so too bad. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. that was me and it was bad, it was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a good farm boy so yeah. I bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And I paid 200, I think about $260,000 for that property. Where, I, where was the property? Havelock North yeah. uh, in, in Hawke's Bay. Yeah. And that, uh, it, I paid a 5% deposit. Uh, and that was all the money I had in the whole world. It took me the whole time to pay off mm. my student loan and save enough for a 5% deposit. Mm. I started earning, my my first paycheck was 28000 a year. And probably
1: by then I was probably only earning about 45000 a year. Yeah, yeah. 2011, few years off the back of a GFC. Any idea what interest rates were then? I can't quite recall. I think about 5%. About, yeah, you're probably yeah.
0: talking about 5 to 6%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I
1: remember yeah. them being in the 5.45 yeah. kind of range. Yeah. Because they
0: were still a bit low to try and keep things clicking again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, so you've got this property. Yep. Um, need a bit of love? Oh, I needed some love. And I did what lots of Kiwis
2: do. I went and started renovating. Yeah. And I started painting. I dug up all the backyard and got rid of some concrete pads. Yeah. I put a new bathroom in. I just put new handles on the, on the, uh, kitchen, yeah. but I remember it, it had it had been bastardised. It had lino down. <laughs> and I could tell oh. really, really quickly that it had nice floors underneath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it was a bit random in the end because I pulled up the lino and the kitchen was Rimu. I pulled up one yeah. other room and it was Matai. Yeah. Yeah. Very common in New Zealand. Yeah. They just used just native timbers. Yeah. yeah, and they just
0: got another stack and covered it with carpet. Scraping yeah. up lino oh. is either very easy or literally one of the worst Six hours of your life. It is horrible. Yeah. yeah, and for me, it was the latter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Using acetate and yeah. scrapers, yeah. pulling yeah.
2: up each little oh. nail. Yeah. Oh, horrible, horrible. Anyway, came out beautiful. Mm. I lived in there for a little while, and uh, booming. The 2011 was the biggest mm. property boom New Zealand ever seen up until the recent one. Yeah. And I did got the old pamphlet in the in the mail. Uh, Want an appraisal your house? And I was like, oh yeah yeah. Give it a good. go. Real estate agent comes around, he says he can get me three hundred thousand for this house. And so, remind us what you paid for it again. Two sixty, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I probably spent about twelve grand yep. mm. on the Reno, which was a lot of money. Yeah. Mm. It took all the money I had after that to yep. get it done. Yep. And and of course that gets me thinking. there's thirty grand, thirty grand in there, and I only earn about forty grand a year. So yeah. it's nearly my whole <laughs> salary <laughs> just from is... one little thing yeah. that I enjoyed. Yeah. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, this is such a really good reminder about like the power of inflation over time as well. Yes. You talk about 30 grand in capital gain yeah. and there's some people whose houses are moving by 30 grand a, a month, yep. right? Yep. Um, but the impact compared to your salary yeah. and when you got that appraisal and was like, ooh, yep. we you in the money. You just see the dollar yep. signs, right? Yeah. You're
2: like, this is, this is I it, did. I've Yeah. It. yeah. And, and probably all the things up to that point started to make sense. It was yeah. like a cascade, tink, 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 all the jobs that I've been doing. Mm. Um, the, the inlay revenue piece and uh, wealth creation was really yeah. obvious to me. Yeah. So I didn't sell it at that point. I went to the bank and I got a loan to buy another property using leverage. So, Ken, so you're I, about to ask the same thing I'm about to ask. How do you find out about leverage? Yes. Yeah. yes. A friend of mine um, who's a lawyer, uh, Aaron Roberts is, is his name, he was visiting Hawke's Bay. He was living in Australia at that time and he was telling me how he bought Three properties. And uh, he actually came around looking at those properties for me, mm. that first one. And he was there at that one that I didn't mm. like. Uh, and it's funny the things you remember. I haven't really seen him since. Yeah. I, I follow him on LinkedIn and like the old thing, but I haven't seen him. Um, but he inadvertently had told me about this leverage thing. Mm. And I probably had seen it at Inlay Revenue, but I hadn't put it together. Yeah, So I yeah. didn't have the financial education to put it together. So he told me about that. I went and saw uh, the mortgage broker, uh, well, he was actually working at the BNZ, his name's Danny Blackman, he's mm. a mortgage broker on his own now. Uh, it's funny the things you remember, mm. these people, I remember them because yeah. they were part of my journey. Yeah. Mm. And he said, yes, you can get uh, another mortgage. Uh, so I went out to look for another property and at this stage, mortgagee sales yeah. uh, were starting to come around yeah. because the cycle was coming down again. Mm. And uh, But they weren't like they are now, where like 20 people yeah. show up and they bid more than an auction would go for yeah. usually. So I ended up buying this house uh, in Tokamaru Drive in Havelock North and I paid 305000 for it and it was worth 410000 on paper. So this is my first lesson in debt arbitrage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether I like it or not, yeah. I just figured out how to create a capital gain out of thin air and yeah. this is the big trick that property investors use to grow their wealth. Mm. Quicker, mm. Mm. Uh, so so I bought that property and uh, then I, I went on Bay and renovated and and bought a few more properties and I was predominantly a buy and hold investor. Mm. Okay, but uh, you were but you were renovating them and keeping them, revaluing them. Yeah, yep, going again. And so I was moving from property to property. Strategy, yeah. Was it? Yeah, the birth strategy. So for people who don't know that, that's buy, renovate,
0: revalue. Yep, go again. I what repeat. I, what I <laughs> yeah, what I love about that is it's uh, you know you it's not like you fell into it but you you make some smart decisions with some guidance along the way and you know we give people guidance as financial advisors as accountants as wealth advisors yeah. but you know it's again it's about who you trust why you trust them you know obviously a lawyer friend you've yeah. seen them do it these sorts of things and just some little nudges along the way with motivation i i want to do this i'm going to make a decision Gets you the outcome, right? Also, motivation, mm-hmm. i.e., money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've,
1: got a, I've got a couple of questions. The first one is we talk about paralysis by analysis quite a bit. Yes. You're an accountant by trade, no offense, but offense. <laughs> um, did you. None taken, but taken, when, yeah. Especially <laughs> at the start, were you quite good at? getting on with the show quite quickly or did you kind of go, I'm not too sure what I should do here?
2: I think because I stumbled into it rather than planned it, Mm. I didn't suffer from that too much Mm. and I was living in these houses. Yeah. So there's two purposes. So roof over my head, uh, passion, I enjoyed renovating them. I figured out really quickly that I enjoyed doing that kind of thing and actually I had a background of like, Doing up cars mm. and uh other than my brother Welcome and i did up a Bay. tractor <laughs> once and a motorbike like yeah. we, we were tractor? good at, yeah we did no, a massive ferguson yeah uh, from a family friend he just left in his paddock and we're like, yeah. we'll take that and we yeah. got it going again painted and sold yeah, it yeah nice so i had a little penchant for like doing things up right. and selling them um but i wasn't too analytical on it
1: okay second question is sometimes more debt people can go like that's scary i don't want to be taking on more debt did yep. you always understand? Good debt versus bad debt, and investment property debt would get you ahead. Did you ever, did you ever go? I mean, you're carrying a lot of debt now. Did you, did you ever go? At, did you ever go at any point? Um, I don't know if this is for me, or you always kind of got it. No, I, I always got it, but I didn't necessarily get it. Mm.
2: I just realised that this debt thing was helping me accumulate yeah. assets, and that the return on those assets was starting to roll quite quickly. Mm. And the more debt I could get my hands on, as yeah. long as I could handle it, the better off I was going to be.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I do have a bit of bad debt hanging around every now and then. It De- debts, debt's debt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I definitely believe in, in deploying capital. Yeah. And, and investing as much of that in fixed assets as I can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say I just stumbled across it.
0: Yeah. So you're... You're in the situation where you've got a few properties. Um, yep. You're uh, you know buying locally around the Hawks Bay where you yep. know you grew up. Um, what and you know you've um, you've done the thing uh, where you went to the mortgagee sale and thought, yep, this is how this game really works. Mm. This is how one plus one equals five, not th- not two or three or whatever. Yep. How what was the thing that sort of was the the catalyst that got you from that into the large property portfolio yeah. and okay. what, what sort of happened there? So a little more water has to go under the bridge actually. So um, I then I
2: would uh, attend a tender property next which was really similar yeah. except that I overpaid. Mm. Uh, but I didn't realise till later that I overpaid. And I didn't overpay by the time I'd finished. I still made a good gain on it. But, yeah. but I, no one else was interested and I just hit too high. So I did that one. Then I decided I'd had enough at Inland Revenue, yeah. which was a big decision. It was a good job. I was, ha- I was doing a bit of property investment on the side, uh, but I knew ultimately that I wasn't going to stay there forever. So I decided to leave Yeah, and I went out on my own as an accountant and I started off doing uh, helping people get through audits. And I realized uh, quite quickly that whilst that was quite uh, good financially, it was very stressful. Mm. And it's easy when you work at Inland Revenue, nothing's personal, but when you're working yeah. for the client, everything's personal. Yeah. Mm. Also, I had figured out that I couldn't really scale that very easily. Yeah. Very hard to scale. Because the intellectual capital is yeah, you. Yeah, it's me. Yeah. yeah. And I might have three PAs helping me, but I'll, At the end of the day. Yeah. Nothing passive in it. Yeah. Um, so I decided to be a property accountant. Uh, and I liked property, obviously, mm. and it, it was a niche area. And back then, zero had come through and cannibalised the accounting industry. Mm. Everyone had started moving to fixed fees. Previously, GST returns like two or $300. Now they're worth nothing. Just press the button. Uh, So I I decided to niche myself into property. And uh, that happens quite quickly. So within a year of inland revenue, I'd uh, gone accountant, gone property accountant. And then I made the decision to move to Auckland for opportunity. And literally it happened overnight. I made the decision, packed up. Came up to Auckland. My mum lived up here. Uh, I stayed with her for about a week. was all, <laughs> all it took for me to find somewhere yeah, else to yeah. live.
1: No offence feed. but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yep. Love you, mum, but yeah. thank you for taking me in. But yeah. I had to keep moving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I settled in Kingston. I remember uh, thinking quite humorously that that was central Auckland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so so fast forward, I'm in the business environment now. Property investment takes a bit of a stay for about yeah. a year. I'm hustling. I'm down in Brynhamark. I've got one employee and I'm trying to get my business going and I've got all this money sitting in the bank from a property I'd sold and uh, I always regret selling properties. I'm a mm. buy and hold investor. I I, why, yeah.
1: why did you decide to sell those properties? I
2: thought I needed some cash to come up and start my business. Yeah. Mm. The reality was I didn't need that money at all. Yeah, yeah. I started, I was making enough money to live. Yeah, But having that buffer in the bank... Psychologically, probably helped me. We yeah. talk
1: about that a lot. Yep. But, mm. yep. And when you did decide to go out on your own, obviously there's implications in terms of what you can borrow. Yes. Did that go into your thinking much? Or no. did you think, i oh, it'll pay off in the long term? Yeah, I yep. just
2: had a, a mindset that I was going to make it work. Mm. Uh, and I wanted to be in business and I wanted to to, to have those outcomes, have an office. Um, I just wanted it. Yeah, I didn't think about it. Yeah, probably much like most of my property investment journey, which has mm. helped me. didn't yeah. think about it too much. Yeah, so I'm in, in here and I'm advising people how to make money out of property, and we're starting to come in to the biggest boom that New Zealand's ever seen, and probably the longest boom. Mm. So this is starting. Probably that boom started about 2017, uh, and ran right through to 2021. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so I'm helping people make money, and I'm I, I'm I'm helping. Them do the things that I'd already learned by this point for certain. Deploy capital, add value, revalue, go again. Yeah. And whilst I'm in that property space, what I'm seeing is that an accountant is not getting paid very well for this. Mm. But people like real estate agents, mortgage brokers, lawyers are all getting paid really well for yeah. it. Uh, and that's where the mortgage business came about. So, so we started climbing up the value chain. And then, as you know, uh, once you, we got into that, the full wealth creation piece would not be complete without a uh, wealth advisor. Charismatic wealth advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Full of beans wealth advisor. (laughs) A loud wealth advisor. Very loud wealth (laughs) advisor. Uh, And and so that was Lighthouse in totality. And somewhere in that sort of probably about year three of uh, business, I realised that I was telling and showing people how to make money that I could easily do myself. Yeah. So first Auckland property uh, came along, Mount Albert, and this was the very last property I did anything on myself. Uh, this was bought with AJ who is my cousin and also a mortgage director here and we took three weeks off work to renovate it and uh, by off work I mean we worked in the morning and yeah. <laughs> worked yeah, at night yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was really fun but of course three weeks took six weeks Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I remember AJ was still working at the bank uh, at that stage and um, he had to, to go back to work mm. so I was left to finish it and I remember I had to do the floors. We met... <laughs> got these big uh, sanders and oh, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're doing the floors and then I had to, to uh, lacquer it. Yeah. I kept oh. stepping in the lacquer because yeah. the yeah. light wasn't yeah. right and the whole thing was just a <laughs> disaster. I remember yeah. thinking right then and then I would never that, do that again. Yeah. Uh, so so I, we stopped doing that and, and that property uh, it, was, it was doing really well because we're still in the cycle and I think we paid uh, 1.3 for that property and it's worth about 2.2 now. Yeah. So it shows you the, the power of compounding returns mm. over time and if we go back to that mortgagee sale property, 305,000 that property is now worth about 1.1 million yes
0: so and that is why we don't like selling assets yes every correct. time I speak to someone they're like yeah. when we're doing the first home buyers thing and they're like oh yeah then I'll sell this and get another one I'm like oh we could keep that and get another one and they're mm. like why, why would you not just sell and I'm like yeah we'll talk about it over time mm. yeah yeah So uh, the real big break for me in my investment portfolio
2: came with uh, Christchurch. So uh, this earthquake sequences in Christchurch created what's referred to as the as-is-wearer's market. Yeah. And – I stumbled across that probably a bit, like a lot of stuff on my property journey quite by chance. Mm. So I went down to Christchurch. I was working with some Christchurch clients. One of them helped manage as is as repairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he just said to me after a meeting, so I'm doing a property down the road. Do you want to come see? And I said, like, yeah, yeah, I'll come see. I'm a property guy. Oh, mm. I'd like to see. Mm. Anyway, I get there and it's a beautiful property. It's not what I expected when I was thinking as is wearers. Yeah, you thinking, thinking it's like, rubble. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking half rubble. Yeah. Cracks in the wall, mm. everything. And uh, it's a beautiful house. And so I'm, I just started asking him some questions like, how much you pay for this? He's like, oh, you know, $500,000. I was like, yeah. How much? I could tell straight away this property was worth well mm. more than 500000 I was like, how much are you spending on this? He's like, oh, 100000 I was like, okay, okay. So what's the end in, in, uh, game? He's like, 950000
0: oh, Yeah. Light bulb. Light bulb. <laughs>
2: so I remember ringing AJ. Uh, I'm like, oh, you, I've just been at this this uh, meeting and I saw an as property and I think this is a really great opportunity. Do yeah. you think you can fund one? Yeah. And he gave me the flippant, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I got him. Yeah. But I ring up uh, one of our uh, clients, Bonnie Stone, who's a real estate agent yeah. down there, and I said, hey, can you get me an as as property? And she's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, of course. Give me, give me five minutes because yeah. there were heaps of them back then. Yeah,
0: got, I got hundreds.
2: Yeah. yeah. So she rings me back literally five minutes later. She's like, oh, yeah, I've got one, uh, live in Woodville in Edgeware. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool so I go and have a look at it. And it's, yeah. it's a big thousand square meter section. Yeah. It's got a bungalow on the front, nothing on the back. Beauty. And I'm like, and How much is this property? She's like, oh, I think yeah, 350 would have it.
0: It's <laughs> the eyes wide. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Cool. So anyway. The poker face. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Oh, yeah. I'll give you 360. Yeah. yeah. And this is
2: right before everything started going to auction, price yeah. shoot. And um, I, I remember putting an offer on it and coming back to the office and being like, Can you fund this now, AJ? <laughs> and I remember his face. And, and, and uh, anyway. He got it funded. Yeah. Uh, and this is where I learned the biggest lessons about creating wealth and property. Yeah. Uh, is this debt arbitrage piece? Yeah. So it's buying something that's undervalued, mm. and there's lots of properties in New Zealand that are undervalued. Yeah. Deferred maintenance. Yeah. Um, earthquake damage, leaky. Yeah. Family. Yeah. Mm. Lots of places you need a property that's undervalued. Yeah. Mm. Second piece is about debt. So we started funding these in second tier lenders. Yeah. So not main bank. Mm. And when we went, we we'd go and fix them, repair them. A lot of them were pretty easy repairs. Bought for that one $355. I think the end value was like six fifty, spend like a hundred. Yeah. Take it back to main bank at six fifty. We were starting to roll our deposits out. Mm. Uh, and so so once it, so my culmin, culmination of my journey to that point had allowed me to realise that this was a huge opportunity. Within that
1: year we'd done eighteen as is properties. Yeah. In a twelve months. Wow.
2: Just so many.
1: If you look back on the mine, I mean and we uh, kept them all. Yeah. yeah. If you look back on the mindset of the people at Crash Church at that time as yep. well, they were probably thinking about a million different things. Yep. Opposed and probably creating wealth was not very high no. on that list, I guess as well. So well, a lot
0: of those people just wanted to get rid of those assets, mm. yeah. it, or the insurance companies, or anyone was like, I don't, I don't want to put my hands on this anymore. I've had enough of it. Yeah. Really common question I got was, oh, why didn't they just repair it themselves? Yeah. And it's because they would had enough of it.
2: Mm. In the beginning, the insurance companies said they were going to repair them. Yeah. Then it dragged on and then they realised they couldn't repair them all. Mm. Then they had like at least a year to get a settlement. Yeah, Uh, But these guys got, how the market was created, these guys got market value for their property, got to keep it. Mm. Then they sell it to someone like me mm. for land value, yeah, yeah. So they're doing really they're doing well, right. yeah, 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 they're yeah. doing really well. So there was no, um, you know, animosity from any of these people, they were like, Take
0: it, yeah. No, we we were down in Christchurch uh, last week and had we were talking to a guy we know down there who's in the insurance game, and he did the same thing, yeah. He was like, Yep, bought them for 330 spent $60, sell them for 680 Yep. yep. Yeah. And I know a few people who did really, really well at it as yeah. Whereas, yeah. so anyway, that was probably what I
2: um. What cemented for me the whole, the, the strategy behind mm. building wealth and property, uh, it's two things. It's buying a property and being able to manage the debt. And then the second part is when it is appropriate, it's recycling the
1: debt and yeah. buying again. And for me, that journey took nine years. Yeah. Mm. So if we yep. fast forward to, to now, yep. I want to talk about your property goals going forward in a second. Yes. But can you just give us a bit of an idea of, kind of what your portfolio looks like, you now. yes Yeah,
2: so the portfolio is... And uh, this isn't
0: recorded by inland land revenue, so don't worry. Yeah, to yeah. Well, or all, the
2: FMN. <laughs> it's capital anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, so the property sits so probably... but I actually don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it shows how to touch I am with it. We've got someone who manages it all full-time, but over 30 properties, um, millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of property, uh, sitting at about a 60-40 LVR. Yeah. The- so... Uh, pretty good
1: the really interesting thing when you talk about that as well is you started what did you say your first salary was yeah 28 28K. 28k yeah came from a household with no education mm-hmm. around yep. money and if you if you think about it over a period of time and you go three hundred thousand dollar houses yep. and you go ah oh, this old geese has been in the game 10 years i mean when i talk about 10 year wealth creation plans yes that ain't that long no yeah. you think about You think about the power of inflation over Over that time, the power of education, taking one step forward after the next. Yes. It's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, and taking action. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: also like how uh, overnight success is never overnight. And that's why I think this is really important for people is when people see the end position, they go... Oh, dad must have bought it for him. Yeah, you know, like yeah. oh, he's he's been like this the whole time. Like oh, yeah, how was Rumi in high school growing up? You know, like it's yeah. but it's it's not like that. It's like if you are smart about it, have some good guidance, take action early. That's when you get to the wealth creation.
1: Yeah, I I mean, your story is I did, this, I did this and then 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 boom. Was there periods of time where you thought I'm just gonna sit here and uh, do nothing for a period?
2: Yep. Yep, we're currently in one of those periods, to be mm. honest, um, although I'm not doing nothing, mm. uh, but on the buy and hold side I am. But no, I've always been someone with a bit of go forward. Yeah. I was always working in the business, I was always doing my chores, making my bed. Mm. Uh, but there's definitely been periods when I've gone, shit, this is hard. Yeah. And I've watched like people who maybe just have, have a good job, a couple of good jobs in one house, go and buy a beach house or they've got nice cars. And I, I held off getting nice cars, having nice things for a lot
1: later. Yeah. Uh, and that's when it was hard. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And that's probably a bit of a, if you've ever seen Matt's um, Instagram, there would definitely be a misconception, I'd say, yes. that um, you've kind of got all of these nice things. And a lot of people that all have all of these nice things are financing them in a way where they have no wealth behind yeah. them, yes. right? Mm. Can you um, talk a little bit about the delayed gratification you had to go to and go, Yep. hey, I've actually got some money on paper now. I could go and buy my McLaren or buy my holiday home, do something cool, but I'm going to keep going on this journey for the long-term gains. Yeah, and I
2: think that was the hardest thing for me. It was when I had created an amount of wealth that I could reasonably have lived really comfortable Mm. and was actually going again and deploying that capital again. And I've done it again and again and yeah. again. And, and finally now, after this 10 year period, I've spent a couple of years really enjoying it. Mm. Uh, and I have nice cars and nice things and the holiday a bit. Um, and I feel like I earned it. Yeah. yeah. Um, whether it looks like I earned it or not yeah. is, is irrelevant. <laughs> Uh, well, it's
1: always overnight success like you yeah. said, right? Yeah, like. but look, welcome to the internet, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's easy to
0: just you know, flippantly dismiss people, yeah.
2: But also, this year I've had a good lesson and um, it's it's not always good. Mm. This year has been very tough for uh, a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, business-wise, it's been tough. And property-wise, over the last six months, had to make a lot of decisions within the portfolio and burn a lot of cash flow yeah. for the longer goal. Mm. Uh, so interest rates are going up. Uh, and on a huge portfolio, we're talking uh, like, huh, what is the debt? The debt's probably
0: around the sixteen to eighteen million mark, mm-hmm. maybe more. So if more. you think about that yeah. in terms of every tie, sixteen to eighteen million. Let's conservatively say. 16 and that million. excludes like personal
2: properties, yeah.
0: and you know I, I've got about three or four personal properties that, that yeah. I own as well. If you think about that an interest rate rise of 1% on that and what that looks like for the cash flow of the portfolio, how much sleep you're getting at night, the decisions you can make around the rest of your life That's a fairly stressful proposition. (laughs) Yeah. And so when people say, oh, it's property, it's a passive income. Yeah, you can aim for passive income, but if you want to seriously grow your wealth, it is a business. You've got to treat it like a business. And it's going to be stressful. Yeah.
2: Yep. 0.5% rise equals about 150 grand a year. The other
1: piece as well is all of these council rates increasing as well. (laughs) Everything increasing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then uh Add interest deductibility removal on top mm, and suddenly yeah. you've got a, a big beast that you've got to go, well, my long-term wealth creation goal was X, but mm. how do I manage it? Mm. Yeah. So we made some decisions at the end of last year that we uh, we sold the best property and the worst property yep. off the books. Yep. Took that capital, paid down a bit of debt, then we uh, we took some of it into our property development business, which we'll talk about later, mm. uh, and then we started shuffling loans. Mm. We, we talked to our mortgage advisors. Yep. And we said, right, can we put some onto to interest only? Can we extend the term on some of them? So that the plan is to hold the line, protect the balance sheet. Yeah. Because you can't be in long term wealth creation if you don't have the assets long term. Yeah. So that's how you're managing
1: higher interest yeah, rates.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and what that means is that I'm. Spending quite a bit more of my own money on interest at the moment. Yeah. I've got to put heaps more money into that business to keep it moving. And mm. we
1: all, you're just doing it at a higher level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And
2: um, But I I understand at least through my education, through the time that I've spent in the market, that this won't last forever. Yeah. Mm. It's really important if you're struggling a bit at the moment to talk to your mortgage broker, talk to your wealth mm. advisor, get a plan. Yeah. Don't just run out and sell in a depressed market and and make a loss or make less of a mm. gain than you would have, mm. hold the line. Cool. Yeah.
1: I've got two more questions before we wrap up. Yep. I know for certain this must be our longest episode ever, but been, been super duper interesting. Um, the first one is you've got this portfolio. What are your goals when it comes to property moving forward?
2: Yeah, so at the moment, uh, we have moved to property development yeah. uh, full time. Cool. And the goal is to have a property development company. Yep. yep. Uh, buy and hold has very much gone on pause at the moment yeah
1: okay yep. we will come to property development in a second Yep. last question is tips for people who are thinking about creating you know starting their property journey for somebody who's done a lot in 10 years yes but once again 10 years isn't that long of a period no, it of time. isn't. yeah and i don't i barely remember it now mm. it's yeah. gone that quick <laughs>
2: mm. uh, i think the the first tip is uh don't just listen to your neighbour, your parents or anyone else who s- says that you can't do it. And mm. even commonly, you guys will see it, people come in and they like, just they don't think they can do anything when actually yeah. they can. Yeah. So the first thing is approach it like you can do it and then if you can't do it, maybe put a plan in place to do it. And the second thing is don't be afraid of, of the debt part. Mm. I know that people really struggle with debt but the world's economic system is built on it for yeah. right or for wrong. Yeah. Uh, and the sooner you become comfortable with it, and the sooner you treat it like something to manage in your life, the better off you'll be. Yeah. And what a time to get started as well, right? Yeah. Well, if you start in the hard time, imagine how easy it's going to be when it gets better. Yeah. I've got lots of people uh, that I know with that mindset at the moment who are like, it's a tough year. We're just going to crush it. And when it gets uh, easier again, we're
0: going to absolutely catapult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's And during these times, we say it quite a bit, you know, it's easy to... Throw out the Warren Buffett quotes of, you know, be fearful when others are greedy. Yeah. And that's like, it is another thing to go out and do it. It is risky. You're going to be going against all of your friends or are like, no, no, just hold on. You'll be fine. Yep. Pay down your the media. Yeah. Yeah. Countercyclical investing is the hardest
2: thing ever mm-hmm. because everyone's saying don't do it. Yep. But everyone knows that if you do it now, when you come out of the cycle, you're going to be so much better off. Yeah. And
1: while they say don't do it now, down the track they'll go, geez, didn't you get lucky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so if you are looking for a property accountant, um, I mean, you couldn't get any better in terms of. uh, the experience we're talking about with Matt. So if you are looking for an accountant uh, to go with you on your property journey, please make sure to to reach out to us at Lighthouse. Uh, we are also going to have a second part of this episode where we're going to talk about Matt had a very significant change in his property journey where he started talking about property development. And there's a whole bunch of other lessons that we can talk about. Huge, there, huge Matt? lessons. Yeah. Great. So yeah. Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, please make sure to subscribe, give us a review, and we'll catch you next time.
2: Cheers. Thanks.